All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 243 of the Couch Guy Sports podcast presented to you by none other than the Couch Guy Sports Network. Um, you might see that Jared's not here. That, you know, we talked about this on episode 242 about the, the continuing constant on their show because it, it has had so much transition going on. But, you know, Jared has worked very hard with his podcast, and I wanted him to Take a little bit of a break for himself. Give a little bit of extra loving to his daughter, who is just the cutest little thing in the world. And uh, listen, give the best Valentine's Day to his amazing wife, who um, honestly, she's an angel for dealing with Jared, because we all know Jared. Um, But besides that, you might see that I'm joined by uh, a previous host of the show named Al Higgin. Al, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing well, Diego, but I, I got to call you out right away because you're so full of crap about Jared. Because, listen, you know, as well as I do, that Jared bailed on the show. That's just who he is. He's a flake. He flakes out on shows all I'm the not, time. I'm not making yeah, no, enemies. No, no. I'm not I making will. enemies no, on no, my rookie no. tour. I will. <laughs> he, listen, I co-host another podcast, Into the Triangle Podcast or Red Sox Podcast Network. Go follow yep. it and subscribe. I know how Jared is. I know how he is. It's back and forth with him. But honestly... I enjoyed my brief time as a host on the Couch Guy Sports Podcast. It's nice to be back for an episode. So thanks for asking me to come Absolutely. on. Absolutely. Listen, always a pleasure. 200 plus episodes where Jared has been involved in almost every single one. Gotta give it to the guy. And you might mm-hmm. also see me joined by one of our newest additions um, to the network. You might hear him from the Sports on the World podcast. You might see his articles already on the Couch Guy Sports website. Uh, this guy has a brilliant mind for sports, a very open-minded take when it comes to all sorts of things, whether it's NBA, baseball, um, football, all sorts of things. Ladarius Brown, Ladarius, sir, how are you doing today? And welcome to the Couch Guy Sports Podcast. Ah, Thank you for having me. I'm doing great. And how are you gentlemen doing? We're doing, we're doing, we're doing just fine. So, um, like I said, episode 243 brought to you by Touch of Sports Network, sponsored by um, a few friends of ours, Manscaped, who you'll you'll get to hear a little bit about Manscaped very soon, um, and none other than our network partner as well, Shocked Energy. If you ever feel tired, lower of energy, or just need a little bit more focus, like I I kind of neat one right now go over to shockedenergy.com uh give it a try to the uh promo code cgsn couch guy sports network cgsn get 10 percent off of your order today ships worldwide wherever you are will get you taken care of but you gotta try out that green apple and that watermelon uh flavor box fantastic flavors and honestly not a lot of caffeine so Getting your energy input while being healthy. But on this Ladarius, you Ladarius, you a green apple or watermelon guy? So I think Ladarius might have frozen on us, which is fine. For me personally, I'm a huge green apple flavor guy. That that green apple flavor just absolutely smacked my two cheeks and kept me red for a while. Um, what about you? I'm a watermelon guy. I just there's something about the watermelon flavor. I like the green apple flavor. Don't get me wrong. 
but the watermelon flavors just got a little more sweetness to it because I like sweet flavors. So, you know, watermelon all the way. That, that's that's my motto. Got to go with the watermelon. I hear you. I hear you. I mean, I will say that watermelon flavor has a lot of like a, like like this huge like smooth component to it, which yeah. I can appreciate. It's very nice, exactly. and smooth, and easy going. So I completely appreciate it. But with that said, um, let's get this show started because over the weekend, we I think the perception overall in all of America and probably worldwide because everybody was watching this game was that this was probably one of the funnest Super Bowls we've seen in probably the past five to 10 years, maybe even more. It was the LA Rams with the Matthew Stafford story, Adele Beckham Jr. story, Aaron Donald story, and Cooper Cup story versus the Joe Barrow, Zach, uh, Zach Taylor, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins story. What a fantastic showdown we were given between these two teams. And also, I may I add, probably the greatest halftime show of all time at this point, because that was a fantastic performance. I don't know about y'all, but like when I was when I was watching it here, I was just rocking away with the music. I, I mean, Al saw me. I, I, I was with my head. And I, yeah, was, he, I, was, he was, I, was, I was in my field. He was into man. it. I was the, the in DJ. my field. The DJ was coming out of them. I will say, as a DJ, like dropping that set anywhere, like that's that, that, that's just like guaranteed to get the crowd going at all times to probably the fullest of their extent. Ladarius, I mean, what, you think? Oh, sorry, no, what, what, I was just gonna say. Yeah. Well, go ahead, go ahead, Ladarius. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> this is this is Al. Get used to oh, it. No, go ahead, go ahead. I'll I'll, I'll yield it back to you, Al. Oh, you're you're so nice. No, all I was gonna say was you think about it, right? Like our age group, we think it's the greatest. The youngest, the younger kids, like they like their little Nas and you know their TikTokers and everything else. And then you have the older generation that's like, I want like Peter Paul and Mary back, or I want like the Rolling Stones or whatever, you know. So I think this was perfect for you know for our generation. It was a, it was great. Fifty Cent, uh, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, everything. It was awesome. Yeah, it really was. Um, what I will say, though, is for any of y'all that did not enjoy it, please do yourself a favor and educate yourself on music. That's all I got to say. If you didn't enjoy it, educate yourself on music. Because I will tell you this. If you are telling me with a straightforward face that Doja Cat is going to be able to do better than this show next year, good freaking luck. Grow up. Stop sucking on lollipops and stop eating Red Bull for dinner because Red Bull gives you wings. Um, but anyways, let's talk about the Super Bowl real quick here. What did you guys think of this game? What could have gone better for either team? And who did you actually want to win in this year's Super Bowl? I'm going to start with Ladarius. Um, uh, you know, I, I kind of had Cincinnati. I, I, I love their story. You know, but, you know, as far as a couple of things that could have gone either way, it really felt early on with Matthew Stafford. And those inter- it, it kind of felt like the same old story again. And I'm like, ah, oh, boy, you know, in terms of Matthew Stafford. But on that side, but for, for Cincinnati, it, it's, it's the same problem that's been going on all season. And that's keeping Joe Burrow upright. And, and, and it's to the point where, like, I tell people to think about this. He was sacked 51 times in the regular season, mm-hmm. which led the league. And then in this postseason, he was sacked 19 times. 
He's so you put that together that's 70 times for your franchise quarterback. That to me was the biggest takeaway. And you saw it on the last play that Cincinnati had where they were in his face and they just didn't have an answer. And they figured it out because Cincinnati was holding up a little bit, but then somehow or another, you know, Raheem Morse, the defensive coordinator, he figured out how to get Aaron Donald, you know, to break that double team they were pulling. And it just felt that that kind of shifted the momentum back to the Rams. So, so to me, that was the takeover for each side is just keeping it's like Joe Burrow still having the same problems and offensive line has to be addressed, obviously, this offseason. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. Um, Al, why don't you go ahead and I'll give my my final input. So, I mean, Ladarius kind of hit on the big thing that I wanted to talk about was the offensive line. I mean, you think about it. The Cincinnati offensive line is one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. And Joe Burrow, during the regular season, took 54 sacks. You do the math on that, you know, 18 regular season games or whatever it was, uh, 17, 18, whatever it was, you're talking about at least getting sacked three times a game. That shouldn't be happening to a quarterback, especially a franchise quarterback, Mm -hmm. that you want around the league for the next 10, 15 years. And for the people that were complaining about the calls at the end of the game, like, first of all, the touchdown that the Bengals scored at the beginning of the second half should have been an offensive PI, number one, on Jalen Ramsey. That's number one. Number two, Eli Apple was holding on to Cooper Cup's jersey the whole time. So I don't want to hear that. Like It was a fairly called game. It was a stress-free game. It was a great game. My heart wanted the Bengals. My mind and wallet wanted the Rams. But, you know, that's why you can't have everything your way. So it is what it is. But it was a great game. It really was a well-played, fun Stress-free game. I would I would agree. Um, for me personally, too, I wanted the Bengals. I was uh, I was rocking this almost presidential looking like jersey that said Burrow Chase twenty two, uh, because both of them just wrote a really fun and interesting story and an inspirational story for any rookie coming out of uh, out of the out of the college league coming into the big leagues. You know, it it expresses that you can do it. Whether you you know whether you put your mind and uh, and talent into it, or whether you work as hard and tirelessly as Jamar Chase did into fitting into this offensive line for for the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, I would agree with Ladarius as well. I think the offensive line didn't do much of a great job in taking care of Joe Burrow. Uh, in fact, we saw that scare that we that we saw towards the fourth quarter where uh, Joe Burrow's knees was bent in a way that you you just never see your body. It never should have your body be bent. Um, that worried me a lot. And I'm hoping that nothing happened um, of major concern coming into the next year for Joe Burrow. Um, but equally, we saw a little bit of a concern as well for Matthew Stafford as a quarterback as well, because there was a play where um, his ankle was bent kind of in a weird way. And he also was limping. So very physical game, very, um, very tactical game. And it actually, in a way, kind of challenge both offenses as well as defenses uh, to create plays that they hadn't yet put into effect within their playbook. Uh, we saw we saw the Rams go into a defensive style that they hadn't yet adopt all year, um, but they had in, 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 in the cards to be able to adopt. And we also saw the Cincinnati Bengals go into an offensive scheme that they hadn't yet adopt, but 
was there for availability purposes. And this this was a perfect game to uh, to incorporate that. One of those plays being where you basically give a two fake tight end option, but really becomes more of a wide receiver option. It becomes an, an additional wide receiver. I love that. Um, I love that ideation there by by both the offensive uh, coach as well as Zach Taylor. And uh, speaking of Zach Taylor, breaking news today was he just got an extension contract with the Bengals um, after having a couple of rough years where obviously, as he mentioned, it was, it was building years because the Cincinnati Bengals and itself just didn't have a good foundation altogether. You can't expect to have a winning record year where your foundation really isn't there. He went from two and 14 to another two and 14 season, if I'm not mistaken, or I think it was like three and 14 or something like that. Uh, and then this yeah, year, it was, it was, it was two and 14. And then like, a, like yeah, a, because, yeah. Cause when Burrow went down. Yeah. Yeah. Or no, was it, was it when Burrow went down or was it, they went two and 14 to get Burrow the next year? They, they went two and 14, got <laughs> yeah. Burrow next year. And then they went, I think again, like four and maybe, 12, I think maybe even four and 12. Yes. Maybe even four and yeah, 12 because Burrow played for a few, right. for a few games before he went down. Um, right. But this is this is a fantastic story for Cincinnati. There's a fantastic story for the franchise owner Mike Brown as well, who's done a phenomenal job in in trusting this um, this front office to get the job done and giving them that confidence that they they so badly needed. So uh, huge congratulations to the Rams who also had their parade today. And and I must say, uh, there's no city that does a championship parade like Boston. We it, it just keeps getting proven year over year. Uh, the, the LA parade today for the Rams wasn't all that. Oh, you mean there's seven fans showed up? Great, congratulations! Yeah. Did, cool. did Did you guys see the video of this uh, apartment story building that you know there were like a few young fans and one of them like chucked a a beer to one of the um the Rams players. It's like it's like yo whatever his name was. You know, let's just say Cooper Cup for for example. Yeah. And they just um they just threw it at him and the, the guy just like cracked it open, chucked it right then. Uh, it was fantastic, but either way, moving on from the Super Bowl as well. Last week and the week before that, we had a lot going on in the NBA with a trade deadline. Um, we're going to focus on the Celtics because I got to be honest with you, the past, however long, the past, I'm going to say past four weeks, maybe, maybe yeah, more than like a half. Three, four weeks has been really, really fun to watch this Boston Celtics team. I know that at first, all of us were, you know, this is painful to watch. We're, we're intra-city, but we're also losing a lot. Like, what's going on? And just a friendly reminder to Boston sports fans, when this happens, there's one key word that is so redundant with all four major sports teams in the city, and that is belief. You have to believe. The Boston Red Sox made us believe back then. The Patriots have made us believe. The Celtics have made us believe, and so have the Bruins. Um, I'm going to start off with Al. What you think of this trade deadline? Because for me, I have a couple of thoughts. One is positive. One is just down the middle. I want no negativity here because there's nothing to be nothing negative to talk about with the Celtics today. Uh, but... <laughs> Let, let's let, let's be realistic. Let's see. Let, what what would you say went well for the Celtics in this trade deadline? What would you have done differently? And what would you give it as a grade for this um, trade deadline and how it went? So as far as the overall trade deadline for the Celtics, I thought for the majority of it, it was a success. 
I did actually write a blog about it on Couch Guy, and my overall grade was a B minus. Now, okay. break down the trades, right? Yeah. If you break down the trades, the Magic trade where they got a future second for PJ Dozier, Bull Bull, and a future second, that's fine. That gets you under the luxury tax. Bull Bull and PJ Dozier were out for the season anyway. They weren't going to do anything for you this year. Great, fine, good move. Good job, Brad Stevens, number one. Number two, this was a surprising trade. Josh Richardson, which was a name that I don't think was flown around a lot, but I think it was a name that was like, okay, if he got traded, it wouldn't be surprising. Sure enough, it's him, it's Romeo Langford, and a couple picks to San Antonio for Derek White. Now, when you take a look at Derek White's stats, they don't necessarily pop off the page. He's 27 years old, decent contract. I think he's like a 31% uh, three-point shooter all time in his NBA career. So it doesn't stand out to you. But when you take a look at it, and a lot of fans were like, well, wait a minute, Romeo Langford was a future piece. So why is he why is he getting traded when he was getting minutes? Josh Richardson was getting those big minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's the one trade where I was like, all right, I don't know how this is going to work, especially the two first rounders. I thought that that was a little steep for getting a guy in return of Derek White's caliber. Now, Derek White's been good so far. But I don't know. And then the last trade, the Houston trade, I thought was a slam dunk for the for the purpose of getting rid of Ennis Freedom, Bruno Fernando, and Dennis Schroeder. Freedom wasn't getting a lot of minutes. Fernando was bouncing back and forth between Maine and Boston. And Dennis Schroeder was not coming back next year. He was on a one-year $5.8 million contract. He wasn't coming back. You knew he wasn't coming back. He was going to go try to find a bigger deal elsewhere. He's probably going to get it in the offseason. So get some value for it. Daniel Tice, I mean, not the most exciting piece, but he's a good defender. He's good in the pick and roll game, which is part of the Celtics offensive system. So you know what? For the most part, pretty good job. And for the people that were really expecting something big down the line, keep an eye on Washington because Bradley Beal is done for the year, and I think his days are numbered in a Wizards uniform. So just keep that in the back of your mind, Celtics fans. Okay. All right. To switch it a little bit, of gears and kind of open it up a little bit more in the NBA. The Darius, I know you follow a lot of different teams in the NBA, just kind of like to keep an open perspective. What are your overall thoughts in this trade deadline and who was in your mind, the potential biggest winner of this trade deadline? Um, It's interesting. I'll, I'll, I'll hit a little bit on Boston a little bit since I'll to be nice and congeal. Um, <laughs> I like it. See, there's that yeah. Southern hospitality, people. Don't ever say that it's dead. It's always there. <laughs> you know, what I will say about Boston, and I could be wrong, but you guys can correct me. I think they cleared up a lot of, like, bad ca- – like, the cap space was, was mm-hmm. not great. They did. And, and one of the things I really like about Brad Stevens is, is that I just feel like this is the right fit for him to be in the front of us on the sidelines. doesn't take away anything from him from being a great coach. But I feel from the NBA perspective, I think his mind in the front office, seeing the moves that he made, you know, it looks a lot more promising than what probably most fans thought going into the season. Yep. You know, so that that's the Boston perspective. But I think some of the interesting winners is I, I look at the situation with uh, James Harden and Ben Simmons. And one of the things I, I heart back to and always said about Philly is Philly needed shooting. They've always needed a shooter because Ben Simmons is not a shooter. He's a great wing guy. He's a great defender, but he's not a shooter. How do I know that when the whole crowd in, in Philly gave, a, gave him a standing ovation for hitting a three? That's how I know that he's not a great shooter. 
So with that being said, him moving on, going to, to Brooklyn and Philly getting James Harden, interesting. And as far as who is the winner, the winner is I, I lean Philly because I felt Philly just needed – I think Philly won in two ways. A, you cleared the whole Ben Simmons nonsense. That's number one. So your locker room's a little bit better. That's number one. And number, number two, you get a guy to play with and be who can actually shoot. Because I, I wrote something back a couple of years ago where I said, you know, Simmons and Embiid is not going to win you a championship. Now, I said one of them has to go. Now, I went, I picked the wrong side of the fence and we went Embiid, but it just felt, it just wasn't going to work. And now you fast forward, Simmons moves on to a situation in Brooklyn, which is interesting whenever he decides to get on the court to see what type of player he has. But listen, he hasn't been on the court in a while. He's been sitting around probably playing Call of Duty or something. He hasn't been playing basketball. So I'm curious to see what Steve Nash and that coaching staff can get out of him. But when I look at Philly, I look at Philly as like, okay, they got the shooter. Because, you know, to Al's point, you know, when I look at a guy like Bradley Beal, I, I still think I look at guys like Dame Lillard. I Just because C.J. McCollum got moved to New Orleans does not mean that Dame Lillard is safe because to me, I've always said that Dame Lillard needs to be out of Portland, not, not CJ McCone, but that's a whole different conversation. But, but going full circle, going back here, I just felt like the big winners were to me, Philly. And I think New I think the Pelicans, because I think getting a CJ McCollum, getting a guy in, in a franchise with a lot of, listen, with Zion, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to get from Zion. I, I really like him. But simply put, I just don't know what we're going to get from the guy. So, so all in all, I, I think with this, with this kind of with this trade deadline, I think Philly's the big winner. They got the shooter, and I think for Brooklyn, before I wrap up for Brooklyn, I think if they can get that All Star Ben Simmons, it'll be a great trade because you don't know which Ben Simmons you're going to get. I kind of get when, when I know what I'm getting into with, with Harden, but I don't know with with Simmons because I haven't seen him play. The last image of this guy getting playing, he was getting the Apollo getting, you know, boot treatment, you know, in, in, a, in a jersey. So I don't know what we're going to get. So that's just kind of my assessment all around about the of the trade deadline. There. Okay. I like it. I like it. Um, I'm going to bring it back to Boston a little bit. Um, I, get, I give this trade deadline an A minus. Um, I'm going a little bit on the, on the, optimistic and all things here simply because of how quick and nimble, but also financially smart this trade deadline was performed. Keep in mind, this is also one of the very first trade deadlines that Brad Stevens has had to handle. And while a rookie at his job, he's done a phenomenal job handling this. Um, I agree with much of what Ladarius has said, um, which was getting rid of some of the dead weight that was in, in the locker room. Uh, I agree that Langford was a, a, a prospect piece that could have gotten more time to be worked on and whatnot. But you know what? At a time when you kind of need to define your franchise, because if you look at the overall perspective of the NBA and your duos that you've had, you know, in Golden, in Golden State, they've had to have some turnover in order to keep Steph Curry and, and, and Clay a little bit more competitive and more in the picture of a playoff run. Um, when you go and look at Milwaukee, for example, Chris Middleton and Giannis, they've had to be kept 
more competitive as well. Some, some moves have had to be kept in order to, to keep them in the picture. You go and look at Miami, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo. You've had to make some moves as well in order to keep them proactive and keeping them in, in that groove. Right now, this is almost a, the fifth, almost the fifth year for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to have been a combo together. And in those five years, they've probably had about two to three playoff runs. One of them that was really successful because the team had that chemistry and was really congealed and all that stuff. But for the past few years, it's been a lot of turnover that hasn't really brought in a lot of really great material for them to work with. And when they've had that great material to work with, unfortunately, because it is part of the game, injuries have had to happen and we haven't had a proactive response towards addressing those injuries. We've just, we, we just kind of put a band-aid to something that has needed surgery for all along. In this, in this trade deadline, I feel like we, uh, I was completely against the Josh Richardson's trade. I felt like we, we maybe gave away the house with only getting a partial rental in return. But the more that I look at the, at the recent results that we've gotten from Derek White, it reminds me a lot that defensively, we only really had two players that could make defensive moves at this point. It was Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart. Because Marcus Smart is not really much of an offensive player for us. He's not, he's not going to be a reliable three-point shooter. He's not going to be the guy that's attacking the board and getting those layups over there. He's not the guy that's getting the end ones and all that stuff. He's just simply not that guy. But what, about he, Robert, what about Robert Williams? Well, hang on. But is he is he your stealer? Is he your ball blocker? Is he making the plays that will get you in front of that three-point line to get you an opportunity to shoot that? Absolutely. He's definitely that. I thought for sure in this trade deadline that Marcus Smart would probably be gone. And I was praying to God that that wasn't the case because this is one of those guys that reminds me that if he's gone, it's another reminder of what happened to us when we let go of Isaiah Thomas. Because what, what happened with Isaiah Thomas was we wanted to get Gordon Hayward because we knew that Isaiah and Gordon Hayward had a phenomenal chemistry and all that stuff. Well, guess what happened? We get Gordon Hayward and because Isaiah Thomas was part of the deal and getting Gordon Hayward, little than we know, we turn around and say, hey, Isaiah, nice to see you, but we're getting Kyrie Irving. And we all know what happened with Kyrie Irving. Granted, when you think of, when you think of it at first, like, yeah, I mean, Kyrie freaking Irving. How do you not go and make a move and get Kyrie Irving, who's everything you want in this team to make you playoff competitive. But then when you get to know the person, like we've all gotten to know him now, um, now you kind of look at the trading, you kind of kick yourself a little bit in, in your, in your rear end, because you know, you kind of let go of a lot. Um, but with that said, I really like the addition of Derek White defensively. I think we we've gotten a huge turnaround on that huge improvement on that. The chemistry is still there. Um, I love the fact that we got rid of the two big moves that we had gotten before ball ball and PJ Dozier, because those were just two additional entries that we really didn't need to continue giving monetary um, charity for. And uh, frankly, th- this team is really, really well compacted. And I think the work that I made Udoka is doing here reminds me a lot of that, um, that Olympic team that he helped coach with Greg Popovich, where you saw Jason Tatum and, and some of these other guys that are now with the Celtics organization. So I think overall, 
We won financially. We now have, we now have open roster um, spots where we can get 10 day deals um, to work through. And um, frankly, just, just a job well done by Brad Stevens. I don't know if any, any of you two have anything else to add. The one thing, the one thing that I would add really quick, and I know you said this before in kind of, you know, your ongoing discussion with it, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have been to two Eastern conference finals. Like you think yep. about it. The, I think it was the first year that Tatum was in the league. They took it to seven with LeBron when they were in the bubble, they made it to game six of the Eastern conference finals against Miami. So they have had some success together. Yeah. Those are for those people that want Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum to be separated. Like what, what's the alternative? Because if you hypothetically were like, okay, we'll throw Jalen Brown in a in a move to get Bradley Beal. You're still staying at the same level because you have Tatum and you'd have Beal, but where's Jalen Brown? Yeah. You know, if you now to go back to my point that I said a little earlier, if you can construct a trade where you have Marcus Smart as your focal point with two or three years left on his contract, and then you throw in some young guys, you throw in an Aaron Naismith, maybe you throw in, you know, another young piece and you throw in a couple draft picks. Now you really got something there. And then you could have Bradley Beal, uh, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Robert Williams, you know, and then insert player here, whether you keep bring out Horford back, maybe on a one-year contract, maybe you have Grant Williams step up in that role. Who knows? But there's still a lot of moves that can be made in the offseason. And that's what excites me the most. Okay. Okay. Um, the only thing that I may add is I'm not as heavily fixated. And this might be a wild take for all of you Boston's fans. I'm not as fixated about getting somebody like Bradley Beal or Dame Lillard to Boston as I am fixated and continuing to build up around our young pieces because I just simply don't want to continue giving huge contracts to these guys that are just so injury prone. I, I it, it just hasn't worked out for Boston. It hasn't been our luck. And I don't know why I get it. I, I know who these people are and I, I know what they can do when they're healthy and productive wise, but long-term picture I think it's a huge risk for Boston financially that might not really be the reward that we want to get. That's the only thing that I have to add. Um, well, Darius, what about you, sir? Um, I'll just jump in and, and say, I was listening to both of you guys, the outside Boston guy here. And I, I, I can see where, where Al is coming from with the excitement potentially of a deal. And I can see where you're coming from Diego with the injuries kind of like, you know, it's kind of like a buyer beware situation. Mm-hmm. But 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 the way I look at it is the question that Brad Stevens has to ask himself this offseason is, is that if you could make a deal and you could keep Tatum and you keep Jalen Brown too, and like I think Al made the point, if you can package a Marcus Smart, make that your focal point, load it up, make it look real pretty, put a bow on it, young players, picks. Or do, or to your point, Diego, do you just kind of see where it goes? And that, to me, it factors in how the how do you feel about your positioning in the Eastern Conference? That's the ultimate question. Is that do you feel that do you continue to build around when you when you still have to face? Now you got the Sixers who got a little bit better with James Harden. You still got the Nets who are still formidable. You know, you still got defending champs that you know the Milwaukee Bucks. So it's about where do you see the Boston? So that's where Brad Stevens has to factor in. 
what does what is it, is it continually building around these guys? Or like I say, to Al's point, do you make a deal for do you do you go to Washington and say, hey, if you package Marcus Smart, get some guys. Do you make that move? And I understand the risk. He's injured, and I, and I get that. But when you think of the potential of a of a Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and a Bradley Beal, to me, that's appealing. That put to me, that's a conversation. But to me, to to, to wrap up my point, I think Brad Stevens has to sit down and weigh how does he, where does he see this team now in the East? And would making a move like a Bradley Beal or a Dame Lillard, if Portland just says, you know what, we're just, we move McCollum, you know, maybe building around Dame is not a great idea. Maybe they have a change of heart in the offseason. If the biggest question is if you don't have to give up Tatum or Brown, as great as a player Marcus Smart is, if you give him up picks and potential, as I like to say, picks and potential, does that help you kind of get in the conversation with Philly, the Milwaukee, Brooklyn? Does it get you in that conversation? So that's that's just my two and a half cents there on that. I, for me personally, what I would say is it's a two-part answer. If you're going to trade Marcus Smart, you got to make sure that what you're getting in return brings you that the hustle, that chemistry, and that upbeat tempo that you desperately need. Because if you don't get that, all you have is just a bunch of dead weights who are just trying to perform, but probably not get you that Celtic spirit that you need to be witnessing at all times in the court. Uh, and which a lot of teams kind of envy that of the Celtics. Um, secondary to that, I think this is more of a question that in the offseason, Brad, Ime, Jason, and Jalen should be sitting down and discussing together because realistically the future for Boston and uh, in, in the aspect of basketball is on those two, on Jason and Jalen, Right. While you are the coach and you're also the GM, you should be listening to what your primary needs are directly from the two people who you are trying to build from rather than hope for the best and have it clash altogether. We kind of saw that at the beginning of the season with the Celtics. Um, so I think, it's, I think it's important that the player's input is there, that it's accounted for, and that when decision-making comes across, that all four parties involved are at agreement. <clears throat> With that said, if Jason and Jalen are like, yeah, let's let's go for Bradley. If we need to trade Marcus, like it is what it is, but let's go for Bradley. That's on them. Because at this point, you're you're getting what you want, but you know the risks that you're taking. Um, the same thing I would say when, when it comes to Dame Lillard. Now, if they were to say, what if we make a bold, a, a bold move? You know, Chris Paul might only have two more years left to him to play. What if Devin Booker doesn't really have additional pieces to play with in Arizona? What if we go bold and trade Marcus Smart, give a few huge prospects that we may have, um, give away some of the, some of the people on the, on the, on the bench, like, like a Robert Williams, if you need to and get Devin Booker here. Imagine, imagine that, that trio of Devin Booker, Jalen Brown 
and Jason Tatum. That is scary. If you put the three together, that is absolutely scary. I was I was with you until you said Robert Williams. As soon as you said Robert Williams, that's a that's a two thumbs down. Horrible. I, I, I get you, it. I don't know. I get I it. Know. I get you it. Don't because about, you're willing to trade him. <laughs> I'm willing to, but look at look at the huge benefit you get. Devin Booker is an absolute threat in the West Coast, and you can't say that he isn't. I would I'm almost say that. I would almost say that he's more of a more of a problem than he he's probably the third biggest problem in, in in the West Coast when you look at it. It's Steph, LeBron, Devin Booker in the West Coast, in my opinion. When it comes to threats in the West Coast, so if you're getting a threat like that in the East Coast, and now you're matching up against people like Miami and Milwaukee, I am pretty sure that those games are going to come down to almost a stupid play by either one of those two that's going to cost them. Great. Who's your starting center then if you trade Robert Williams? Yeah, that, that was going to be my question. I mean, at this at this point, you may not like the answer, okay? And you're not going to like it. I know you're not going to like it. But at this point, you still have Daniel Tice. The guy's still young. He, he, not, makes, he, makes stupid, he makes stupid fouls. I get it. He does. And he also gets called for the stupidest fucking things on earth. But you kind of still have him. You kind of still have him. And the guy was good when he was a Celtic. So uh, you kind of, you're kind of giving him that trust. Now, can you get another, another centerpiece? Absolutely. I mean, look at the talent coming off of this year's uh, college prospects. There's plenty of centers that you can probably work around. Um, but if, if it involves, if it involves getting rid of Marcus Smart, a couple of prospects and having to include Robert Williams in there, and you can get Devin Booker on a financially well-constructed deal. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't because you? Then you? Because then you're giving up too much at that point. Even if it was Bradley Beal, if it was Bradley Beal. I, I, it was Robert Williams and Marcus Smart. I wouldn't do it. Robert almost, Williams should be the third untouchable I, I agree. Oh no, Robert I agree. Williams. I agree, and I'm not discrediting. I'm not discrediting what Robert Williams brings to the table because the guy is a right. phenomenal asset to the Celtics. But realistically speaking, who do you have a higher risk of injury and financial losses with? Bradley Beal, Dame Lillard, or Devin Booker? Higher, so higher injury. Obviously, Beal is injury prone. We know that. Damian Lillard, honestly, not aware of really his injury history. I don't know if he's a guy that gets. I haven't seen much. From him okay. getting injured, Devin Booker, I again, I get what you're saying, but it's a case where if that Booker trade was, okay, you can have Smart and you can have those other guys without Robert Williams, then fine. Mm-hmm. I would greatly consider it. But you can't put in not only a guy that I know you love, Diego, and I, I like I absolutely Smart. Love, him. love him. I know you do. And, and Marcus Smart has those intangibles. Nobody else is going to have those exact Marcus Smart intangibles. Guys might – be similar to his playing style, but nobody's Marcus Smart. Mm-hmm. And on the flip side, Robert Williams is a guy that's coming into his own as a rim protector. He's a guy that's becoming a shot blocker. He is a guy that is a is becoming, I don't want to say a dominant force, but he's becoming a very good center in the NBA. So sure. if you're gonna get if you're gonna get rid of that along with Smart, you better be getting not one big piece, but one big piece and then a complimentary piece as well. Oh, of course. No, 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 of course. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not saying you know, basically give away four for one. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you, you can construct a deal that will bring you a decent return, but that it involves Devin Booker altogether. Um, yeah. But before we cause ourselves more pain and break our hearts even more, 
Uh, I got some exciting news for you guys. Tell us. The exciting news across from our friends at Manscaped is that they just launched their fourth generation performance package. This ultimate package includes the lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right. The 4.0 from Manscaped. The leaders in male grooming have done it again to make your grooming game go to the next level. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with the new performance package 4.0 by going to manscaped.com for 20% off of plus free shipping with the code COUCHGUY20. For some of you who have turned who have tuned into um, all 200 episodes of Couch Guy Sports, you might have already heard the Nick Quagley story, where um, this child, you know, I think he was going in the stages where he had a huge deep crush for Justin Bieber and how luscious that hair looked of his, you know, the the days where the days where Justin Bieber looked like a like a beautiful cross between Jane Lynch and Danny DeVito with that hair. Um, and uh, the ball, the, the guy needed a little bit of uh, some ball trimming, and uh, he took it to the old school level of going with uh, scissors, and uh, he he necked his balls. And uh, from there, you know, the name is only fitting, Nikki Nikki Nicked, and uh, yeah, horrible experience. You do not want that type of ball pain to be happening to you. And we're talking a lot about pain here, so. The performance package 4.0 by Manscaped has arrived and all oh man has it been worth the wait. Inside this package, you'll find the lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, wheat whacker, ear, nose, hair trimmer, crop preserver, ball deodorant, the crop reviver toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold your goodies. That's right. First off, the new package performance, uh, the 4.0 includes the new lawnmower 4.0, which I've mentioned. The trimmer is insane, and dare I say, the greatest ball trimmer ever. That's right, I said that. Their fourth-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor, a new multifunction on-and-off switch that can engage a travel lock, and gives you the ability to turn on a 4,000K LED as a spotlight on-and-off when needed for a more precise shave. Oh, and did I mention the trimmers are also waterproof too? Now you thought that that was a, you thought that that was good, but want to take your grooming game even further to the next level? The performance package 4.0 also includes the wheat whacker to chop your worst weeds up to up to top and in your nose and ears. The wheat whacker is also waterproof, uses a 9,000 RPF RPM motor power, 360 degree rotator. Dual blade system. Holy cow, that is a mouthful. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snacks, and tucks in those delicate holes. Do not be a neck quaglia. Be the best version of you. Seal the deal with Manscaped liquid uh, formulations, the crop preserver, the ball deodorant for before leaving the house, and the crop reviver ball toner for a mint game ball check. Trust me when I say this, fellas. Your balls, well, thank you. Manscaped even threw in there two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers, and the Shed Travel Bag. Your comfort and boxers to another level. Again, get 20% off of your off your order today, plus free shipping with the code COUCHGUY20 at manscaped.com. That's right, 20% off, plus free shipping 
using the code CouchGuy20 at Manscaped.com. Your balls have been through enough this past year. Treat them with the best tools for the job with Manscaped. Your balls is that your first time? Is that your first time ever doing the Manscaped ad read? It really was. That I'll give you credit. That was actually pretty good for the first time. I yeah. thought you were gonna lose it. <laughs> I thought you were gonna like lose lose it on the air, but you um, didn't. So I'm proud of you. I, I I almost lost it in that little joke that I made about you know Justin Bieber with the Jane. Yeah, Lynch you were Danny, Danny yeah, DeVito. You were trying to hit, you were trying to ham that up. I, I I'll give yeah. it to you, but I will say too. You two, you two laughing. I was like, oh, I'm gonna look away because I'm yep. gonna start laughing. So, <laughs> as somebody that uses the Manscaped products, they are legit. So go out, use that promo code, and make sure that you take care of yourself. That's right. But last but not least, let's give this next five minutes here real quick. Because I got a painful question to ask, and I know I just talked about painting your balls, but I feel like this is more like pain in the full body because we're all big baseball fans here. And uh, I got one question to ask. Is baseball ever going to be back? What do you guys think? Take it, oh. take it away. Yeah. Ladarius, yeah. I insist. Take it away. No, I, 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 you, uh, no, no, Al. No, 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 you, you, Al. No, 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 I'm, no age, I'm, before I'm beauty. age before beauty. Go ahead. Oh, oh, oh God. Wow. <laughs> Yikes. Sorry, I meant to actually say beauty before age because you're better looking than me. That came out wrong. It's been a long day. Just bear with me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If I say no, I look has. like a bear, then I have to bear with you. Got it. Got it. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh. You, you did that. That was, that was pretty, that was quick. I'll give you that. Yeah. That was pretty quick. I like it. I like it. I get it. I won't go into the type of bear for legal reasons. Now, oh, I assume it's an Alaskan bear who catches salmon. Yeah, now, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no. Well, for legal reasons, that's what we'll say. There was something um, fishy about that comment. Not salmon involved in, but no, okay. No. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All about that bass is what we're all around here. Now, that's right. uh, to answer your question, b- baseball will come back. But the bigger question is, how will baseball come back in the context of what are we going to get? And I think if if I've not said it once, I'll I'll say it again. Rob Manfred is is easily the worst commissioner of all the four major sports. Mm -hmm. To me, I I had him, you know, I tried to be optimistic. I'm like, okay, let's give him a shot. He's replacing a legend. Okay, I'll give him a shot. But I think my biggest problem is is that at some point, it feels like this situation could be easily resolved. Listen, I'm not sitting in the rooms that you're negotiating in, but it just feels like with, with, with Rob Manfred, I just simply feel that baseball will come back, but I, I highly doubt we, we may or may not get the 162. Because, listen, spring training was supposed to be here. We're all supposed to be, mm-hmm. you know, running, you know. But that's not going to happen. I don't think. And if it does, it'll be an abridged version, which I don't know how that's going to pan out. Okay. But I think when I look at my, Rob Manfred, I square this solely on him. Yeah, we can blame the players. That's fine. But with Rob Manfred, you got to get your sport together. Because I've always said baseball has – it's a sport that I love, first love. What I've seen it happen is, is that you have stars in your sport and you wouldn't know. That's number one. 
You're not doing what the NFL and what the NBA is doing. You got to promote your star. Stop living in an archaic situation where we have these old baseball rules. You know, let these players be played. Let this generation be this generation. Let Shohei Otani. Let so many. You, you still got so much talent. But going back to the to the before I go on that tangent, but going back to will we see baseball? Yes, but it it will not be 162. I don't know how many games, but I feel it's to the point where. The longer this goes, the worse is going to look on Rob Manfred, whether he likes it or not. Because at the end of the day, I think if you're the ask who's more favorable, I think it's the players by a mile. And Rob Manfred's going to look worse and worse. <laughs> the longer here we are, we're sitting here. It's it's February. It's, it's if this thing pushes into to March, which looks to be the case, and and heaven forbid if we push it to April. It's not going to look good. It just feels like this situation can be resolved. It should have been resolved knowing that this labor, knowing that this was going to happen, knowing that you needed a deal in place. You don't negotiate when the deals expire. You negotiate before the deals expire. It it feels like business one-on-one. If you sign a contract with someone and you know your contract's expiring at the end of the year, you try to figure out during the year or before the year. So when you go into the next year, Everything's great. But Rob Manfred just let this is letting this go by the wayside. And and I would not be shocked in the next two to three years that he gets replaced. And that's just that's just like a hot take because it's there's nothing really favorable about what he's done in his tenure. It, it really hasn't. So hopefully we'll get baseball. I think we will, but it won't be 162 in my. OK, L. I'll keep this short and sweet. <clears throat> there's definitely not going to be 162. Darius hit the nail on the head right there. That's just, that's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a constant battle between the owners and the MLBPA and it's ridiculous. And you got to think too, once the season actually does start, you think about all these highly named free agents that still need to sign with teams. Uh, Carlos Correa, Freddie Freeman, Trevor story. They still need to sign with teams. And when are you going to do that? Are you going to sign on March, are you going to decide on March 21st that you're going to get a deal done? And then you have to still get the players in playing shape and everything else, get, get their exhibition games in. And then these guys still have to sign elsewhere. So you're losing out. And plus I mentioned this too, on other podcasts, the MLB is losing out on so much revenue. Ballparks are losing out on so much profit, so much money with concession stands, with selling, you know, memorabilia and everything else you're taking away from the game. And think about this too. In the summer, when basketball and hockey wrap up, football's not till August. You have training camp end of July, but really it starts kicking up in August. What do you have to watch from like mid-June to say mid-August? The only sport is baseball. Yeah. That's really in soccer. That's mm-hmm. it. And Diego, I know you're a big soccer guy, but like for those that aren't soccer people, like baseball is that sport. Mm-hmm. So you're missing out on a big marketing opportunity in the summer. So everybody's losing here. So if the MLBPA and the owners can't figure it out, then they're just going to continue to prove that baseball is a dying sport. And it's a sport that's going to continue to die unless they start figuring it out. And I hope Ladarius is right that Rob Manfred's out in the next two to three years. I really do. Because he's done nothing for the sport. Mm-hmm. I, I, I agree with much of what you guys said. I definitely don't see 162 games happening. No way. I think the most that we will probably get is a shorter version of the league this year with probably a hundred games to go. Um, 
where they just make it a competitive playoff, um, a competitive playoff outlook where rather than being a, you know, best out of five or best out of seven series is well, by see one and one and done kind of games, um, you know, kind of, kind of like sudden death. Um, I don't see Manfred staying as commissioner of, op- of the MLB past this year. I really don't uh, much of what has happened, this current lockout, the way that things have been working out, now putting these this amount of talent in in the you know in that bubble where they kind of need to negotiate their deals really fast and probably risk a lot of of that of getting a potentially really good deal in their favor. Um, it's a lot. It's a lot. And this isn't the first lockout that Manfred has been a part of. This isn't the second now. It's it, it's a lot that's been going on. And I really don't think that if you are looking to take this game to the next level and provide the future vision of baseball, I don't think Manfred is your guy anymore. Um, if I was to have a list of people who I would want, I probably have three people in mind right now. Uh, that's my three people that I've, that I've had since, since two years from now is Bob Kendrick, Carl Ripken, and honestly, Theo Epstein right now would be a phenomenal person in that, in that position as it is Theo Epstein right now. Is, I think it's a special assistant within the, within the, um, the main commissioner's office. So this is a guy that's highly respected by a lot of players and it's, literally a brilliant mind everywhere he has gone. He's the reason why this, the Red Sox were able to be um, world champions for, you know, for a long time. So um, that that's my take on baseball. But with that said, episode 243 of the Couch Guy Sports Network and the Couch Guy Sports Podcast is now over. Thank you all so much for having tuned in. See you guys next week. Al, Darius, you guys were awesome to have you here. Uh, any final thoughts? Pleasure to be here as always. Fantastic. Ladarius, great having you, man. Looking forward to having you back. Guys, enjoy your week. Thank you all so much for having tuned in. Appreciate you. Oh, wait, shit.